asking how is the church doing here, and we were able to share and share how we've been uh, planting seeds, and and that was an encouragement to him. So uh, a lot of times uh, missionaries they'll they'll write update letters to us, but then they don't hear a whole lot back, which is not good on our part, but. They wonder how we're doing here as a church. You know, sometimes they come back on furlough and the church is falling apart and about ready to close the doors. And, you know, they didn't know that was going on. So it was a blessing for them and hopefully an encouragement to hear what God is doing here and the burden that we have to be planting seeds and burden for the lost, just like God is working in them over there. So uh, continue to plant and water. Uh, continue to stay stay faithful. Philippians chapter 4. Um, actually, let's back up uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. I want to read the last two verses of chapter 3 and then we'll go on to chapter 4. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things under himself. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, True companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, if anything is praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do... And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word, that it is true, that we can look to it. Uh, We can see how you have dealt with uh, mankind in the past. We can see um, ourselves clearly through your word. Lord, I thank you for this passage. I pray that as we look at it tonight, that your spirit would be our guide, that through everything that is said and done, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we come to Philippians chapter 4, I wanted to begin by reading the last couple of verses because as we begin chapter 4, he looks back on what he just said in chapter 3, talking about that our citizenship is in heaven. And he goes on and he says, once again, a uh, this is all about joy. And he says, I take joy in the Lord because of you. And because of our citizenship being in heaven, it should cause the believers here in Philippi, it should cause we as believers here in Sheraton, Iowa, to live in a certain way. Um, Out of love of our Savior, it should cause us to live in a certain way. And so tonight we want to just go through these verses that we have read in chapter 4 and kind of look at 
what are the things that God, uh, that Paul was telling them to exhort them, to build them up, to help shape them, and what can we learn from that? But he starts out by, by saying that as citizens of heaven, we should live in harmony. We should live in unity. We should live in harmony with one another. He says, he points out and brings out two ladies, um, and we read that there, there was some conflict going on. We don't know exactly what the conflict was. But can you imagine in, in our church here if, uh, if we got a letter from one of our missionaries, you know, on the back of the bulletin, and uh, from Seth Myers, and he says, you know, I, I rejoice in the Lord for you, and I implore you to, on behalf of, and names two people in our congregation who have been at odds with one another, and I implore you to uh, to help bring them back to Christ, to be of the same mind in the Lord. We'd be like, whoa, I can't believe, I can't believe Seth went there. You know, I can't believe one of our missionaries, that was a bold move to do that. Now, obviously there, there had to have been with, with Paul and with these, with these ladies, there was, Paul was not doing it to, to just point out to, hey, look at what they're doing. No, there was a love that first took place. Love is, is doing what is best for the one loved that, that we've looked at before. So, he brings this out and he says, I want you to live in harmony. You know, even within the church family, there are conflicts and disagreements that arise, aren't there? Within your own family, you can probably look and see where in your personal family, conflicts and disagreements have come up. Maybe you say, every time I look at my personal family, that's all I see is conflicts and disagreements. Within the church, there should be a unity. Uh, so here you have these these ladies, and what does Paul tell them? He says, I implore them to be of the same mind. So to live in harmony, we have to be of the same mind, to be, to have the mind of Christ. Um, so as you are seeking to follow Christ and obey him, you can trust that your brother or sister in the Lord is also seeking to glorify Christ. So he says, have the same mind as Christ. Both ladies were believers. Here, it, he, Paul is writing to believers. And they had the power of God working in them. And sometimes we have the spirit of God working in us, but sometimes we have uh, that battle of the flesh going on where we kind of push the spirit off to the side and do what we want to. And that's where tensions, disagreements, arguing. Um, the book of James talks about where do all these fightings and wars and things come from? Don't they come from your own desires, your own evil desires at work in you? So he says to have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ, humility that we've looked at previously in Philippians, that Christ humbled himself. Right there, if we would follow Christ's example, that would get rid of the majority of fighting within the church. If we would humble ourselves as Christ, giving up our, our rights, uh, Philippians 2 talks about that we ought to, in lowliness of mind, esteem others better than himself. Now, he's not saying, oh, I'm so terrible, everybody else does it better. No, it's understanding in relationship to God. and We're not thinking of ourselves first before God, we're putting others 
before ourselves. So he says, we ought to have the same mind as Christ as believers in walking in humility, but then also in quickly granting forgiveness. Think about the forgiveness that you have received from Christ, that he offered it freely to you, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, that if we confess, the Lord will forgive. How generous are you with forgiveness? Well, they don't deserve I didn't deserve Christ's forgiveness. So having the mind, the same mind of Christ, walking in humility and granting forgiveness quickly. So as a citizen, we should live in harmony. Uh, we've talked before about when you are traveling, especially out of out of the country, and you, you hear somebody else speaking, speaking Southern Iowan, right? No, and you hear them speaking English, especially if... If you're in a country that they are speaking another language, boy, you are drawn to that person, um, especially if you've been there for a little bit of time at all, or if you are needing directions or needing some sort of help. Boy, you are drawn to that person. Why? We have common language here. So as a citizen of heaven, we should live in harmony with one another. But then we should, he says, we should rejoice always. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I think we probably have all maybe memorized this verse at one time, sung the song, rejoice in the Lord always, and we sing it over and over again. But the believers here were facing persecution. And remember, Paul is sitting in prison as he is writing to them. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'm going to say it, I'm going to repeat it. You need to hear it again. He says, rejoice. Joy is not found in this world that we know. Uh, You look at the life of Solomon in Ecclesiastes. We've studied it as a church before of how Solomon sought after all these things to provide joy in his life. But they were all vanity. It was all empty. Um, Somebody put together uh, some famous people. They said, uh, joy is not found in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel, and he wrote, I wish I had never been born. Joy is not found in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure as a man, and he wrote, the worry, the canker, and grief are mine alone. Joy is not found in money. Jay Gould, the American multimillionaire, had plenty of money, and he wrote, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. Joy is not found in position or fame. Lord Beaconfield enjoyed both, and he wrote, Youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. Joy is not found in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the world, and he, he wept in his tent, and he said, There are no more worlds to conquer. John Rockefeller was once asked, how much money does it take to satisfy a man? And his response was, a little bit more than he has. Now you think about those examples right there. As as mankind, we seek all of those things to find oh, a little bit of joy. A little bit of joy that then vanishes away. But only lasting joy is found in Christ alone. 
So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Do not take joy. Do not rejoice in your, your well-being, in your, your health, in your wealth, in your wisdom. He says, rejoice in the Lord. So the key to rejoicing is found only in the Lord. So if you find yourself struggling to rejoice in life, you need an extra dose of getting in the word of God and getting close to the Lord. You say, man, my life is is just not going right now. It's just filled with difficulty and struggle and frustration everywhere I look. You need to get in the word of God. Rejoicing is found only in the Lord. Rejoicing is found in the Lord because he is the only one that can save my soul. Salvation is only found in him. In Luke 10 and verse 20, it says that we are to rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Think about that. As as sinful people, we can rejoice tonight that no matter what happens in this life, that nothing can take my name off the book of life. Nothing can scratch my name out. Nothing can touch that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I am saved and nothing can nothing can take that away. So understand that salvation is only in the Lord. And that should right there be the cause of constant rejoicing and joy. So uh, rejoicing is found in the Lord because he alone has uh, brought salvation to us. Um, but then. Because it's uh, rejoicing is found in the Lord because it offers us fellowship with the Father. When Adam and Eve sinned, and uh, today at lunch we were talking, and one of the Sunday school classes was going over Genesis and Adam and Eve, and uh, one of the kids said, "Oh, everybody knows about Adam and Eve." I said, "Oh, really? What? What? Oh, yeah, they were the ones that blew it." Now, we, we come down hard on Adam and Eve, but if we were there, we probably would, we would have done the same thing. But Adam and Eve, from that on, then on, fellowship with God had been broken because of sin. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, freely laying down his life, you and I now have direct access to the Father. There are a lot of people in this life that we do not have access to. Um, you do not have access as far as I know, to uh, go and meet with the President of the United States whenever you want. You do not have access to even pick up your phone and, and call him whenever you want. There are many people, because of their position, we do not have access to them. But you and I tonight have access to the creator of the universe. That as we go out to, after church tonight, and if we can see the stars... As we look up, we have access to be able to go directly to the Father. In Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. So uh, in because of what God has done, um, be, we can rejoice because we know the Lord. But then he goes on. And he says in verse 5, Let your gentle be, gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So Paul goes down and he says, Rejoice in the Lord. But then he says, Live knowing God's return is near. 
That's what he ends verse 5 with. Know that the Lord is at hand. That God's return, uh, we believe, is imminent. It can happen at any moment. And that's why we close our service by saying Maranatha. We're reminding ourselves that it could be before we gather again as believers, Christ could come back. And knowing that Christ's return it can happen at any moment will transform the way that you and I live. So he says, you ought to live with harmony in harmony with one another. Go throughout your life rejoicing in the Lord in what he has done for you and what he is continuing to do. But then, as in the way that you treat other people, let your gentleness be made known to all men. So not just those within the church body, but everyone that you meet. Treat all people with gentleness or patience. Um, know that the people that you meet at the store, uh, boy, that, that person was not helpful. They, I deserve as a customer this or that. That might be the last time that you have um, dealings with that person before Christ returns. So knowing that Christ is coming back at any time should transform the way that you and I live. Boy, I need to take advantage of every moment. What is it that I can do to try to reach my neighbors? I may not have tomorrow. I may not have next week. So live knowing that God's return is near. But then he goes on and in verse 6 he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Don't be anxious, but instead pray. Right here, he gives us the cure to anxiety. It's letting your request be made known to God. So what we choose to focus on is what we will see spring up in our life. If I'm going to focus on um, my my problems, if I'm going to focus on, boy, what's going to happen in this next election, if I focus on the stock market, if I focus on um, my own physical health, then those are going to be the things that either bring me joy or happiness or the things that completely devastate me. So then our our joy is based upon circumstances And it is up and down and up and down and up and down. Now, the cure to our anxiety is coming before our Father, which we said we have access to now, and pouring our heart out before him. He says, let your request be made known to God. So don't be filled with worry. Instead, trust God. So our options as believers, am I going to trust what God has done? And say, God, I know you you have this. I don't need to worry about it. You have this. Or are we going to trust in ourselves? Uh, Matthew 6, Jesus talks about who can, who can change anything by worrying about it. Can you increase the length of your life? Um, if, you get, if you get bad news from a doctor, can your worrying about that report actually make you better and increase your life? No. Worrying does nothing except uh, bring consequences of worry. It can make us sick. It can actually decrease our health. It can cause headaches. It can cause all sorts of problems. 
So Paul is reminding the believers here, we have access to the Father. Why do we need to worry? It's as a parent saying to their child, trust that your father, trust that your parents will take care of it. As a storm is coming, it'll be okay. Um, Your parents will take care of it. Now, as earthly parents, we understand that in telling our kids, don't don't worry about this. Um, We'll take care of it. But as earthly parents, we're very limited in what we can actually take care of. Here, so many times we choose to worry about things instead of trusting God who is all-powerful, that we heard this morning. His power never, never runs out. There's no limit to his power. So cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Hebrews 4 talks about, verse 16, that we should come boldly to the throne of grace. That it's not come creeping up to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. So, Don't be anxious. Don't be filled with worry and concern when you can go to the the source of all power, of all solutions, our Heavenly Father. Cast your care upon him. Bring your request to God. And it says, do it with thanksgiving. So it's not coming before our Father whining and complaining. It's with a heart of thanksgiving, knowing, God, this is beyond my control, thankfully, I'm, I'm giving it to you. You were the one that had it anyways, but I'm giving it to you. And I'm going to sit back and, and trust you do all things well. I don't need to worry about it. So we can have peace when we fully trust what God is doing. That's what he says in verse 7. When we make our prayers known to God, when we make our burdens known to him and leave it there, and we don't try to take it back, he says, The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So why do we live in fear and anxiety when peace is offered freely for us? So we live in anxiety just filled with worry. What's going to happen about this? What's going to happen this? When we can do nothing about it, when God says, If you cast your cares on me, if you bring your requests and leave them with me and trust me, I offer you peace that you can't understand and the world definitely cannot understand the peace of God that passes understanding. So cast your cares upon the Lord. And then look down in verse 8. He says, finally, my brethren, I want you to guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. And he mentioned some things. And we're just going to quickly go through those. He says, guard your thoughts. Think on the things that are true or think on the things that are genuine or real or honest. Think on the things that are noble. So as you're as you're tempted to worry about things, pray about it first with thanksgiving. Trust God and then guard your thoughts. Is this thought that I'm thinking, is it true? Is it, is it honest? Is it real? Is this what is going on here? Then he says, think about those things that are noble, that are honorable. Think on those things. Well, this thought that I'm having right now, that's not honorable. That's not pleasing to God. Cast that thought out. Think on the things that are honorable. Think on the things that are just, uh, righteous with God and man. Think on the things that are pure or highly our high moral character. 
uh, I've heard character said as uh, character is is doing right even when no one is watching. So even though nobody else might see what's going on right now, I'm going to do what is right. Think on those things that are lovely or admirable or agreeable to behold. Think of those things that are of good report or well spoken of. Think on those things of virtue or excellence or praise that are commendable. So Paul is really telling us, okay, we have offered to us joy and peace and unity found in Christ. They are, so to speak, they are at our fingertips if we as believers will choose to put into practice having the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We will live in, in harmony with one another. If we choose to focus on what God has done and choose to focus on the Lord, we will have rejoicing constantly. If we choose to focus that God is near, it will transform the way that you and I deal with people. If we choose to cast our cares on him, it will fill our heart with peace instead of anxiety. And if we choose to focus on uh, the things that are true and noble and guard our thoughts, it says the things that we learned and received and do, and the God of peace will be with us. So Paul is saying we have all these benefits waiting at our fingertips if we choose to follow what God has said. So we have been transformed by the power of God. Now it's up to you and I to live by it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, many times, sadly, we look around and in churches and in our own very church. Um, we see conflicts arise and we choose to let pride come in and we feel like we have to take a stand to defend ourselves when, Lord, you were perfect and you, it says that you were silent. You, you bore that burden silently. You humbled yourself. Lord, I pray that you would teach us humility like you have. Lord, forgive us for so many times being filled with anxiety when ultimate peace is offered to us in your presence. Lord, you are so faithful and so gracious in your dealing with us. I pray that in, in our church body here, in our own lives, that we would see your power at work, that we would implement the things that your word has taught us, that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.